Welcome to Everyday Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Cynthia Thurlow. This podcast is designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to achieve your health and wellness goals. My goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and conversations from leaders in the health and wellness industry each week and impact over a million lives. My wonderful everyday wellness listeners, the must requested AMA version with moi. No guests, no one else, just me. And I have to thank everyone because I received hundreds of questions and this will keep me busy for probably the next six to 12 months. I'm not exaggerating. My team and I tried to sequester the questions into different topics. And without question, the most common area where I received questions was in hormone replacement therapy. And I want to be really clear. I am not anyone's nurse practitioner that's listening to this podcast. So this is not medical advice. I'm speaking in generalities. And I would certainly encourage you, if you listen to this podcast, if I answer one of your questions or you are inspired to take the information and better educate yourself and find a practitioner that's going to be able to support you and your needs. That's great. I also want to provide another disclaimer and just say that we are all bio individuals. What is right for me may not be right for someone else, but I don't want anyone that's listening to be fear mongered into not considering HRT if that is appropriate for you. I also want women that are choosing not to take HRT to be fully informed so that you understand the potential ramifications of that choice. Again, no judgment. I think fully informed consent is important, irrespective of how you choose to navigate perimenopause and menopause. So let's dive in. First question is from Joyce. She said, at 62, is it too late to be looking into HRT? You have spoken about how important it is for our heart and bones. Joyce, thank you so much for your question. It is my understanding that we confer the most benefits when this is initiated within the first five years of that final menstrual cycle. This does not, however, mean that you, in conjunction with your GYN, primary care provider, nurse practitioner, nurse midwife, that there may not be clinical indications. And here's the thing about menopause that I think a lot of women don't realize you can look healthy from the outside and have tremendous amounts of inflammation and oxidative stress. It is a byproduct of the hormonal changes that are occurring in our bodies at this stage of life. So Joyce, what I would recommend is that you have a conversation with your internist, your GYN. North American Menopause Society is a good resource However, I want to be clear, not every clinician that is listed in that directory is pro HRT. And I found this out the hard way, trying to refer clients to local providers. So due diligence, get on the NAMS website, check out the practitioners there, look at their websites, see what the general overall theme is, call the offices. There's You are absolutely entitled to be able to do that. The other thing is to you know, ask your colleagues, friends that live locally, who they use, if they are on HRT, are they happy? Another thing to consider is to go through www.ifm.org. This is the Institute for Functional Medicine. Again, not everyone affiliated with that group is also pro HRT, but at least will give you additional options. You can get on their websites, their profiles, take a look at them. 
So I hope that that helps. I think the answer is it's very bio-individual, very dependent on the individual, and certainly something worth discussing with your healthcare provider. The next question is from Kathy. I'm seven years post-menopause and many of the initial annoying symptoms like brain fog and hot flashes are over, but I wonder if longevity health would benefit from HRT. Is it too late to start if you haven't had any before? I'm 64. So again, another question, obviously there's a lot of misinformation about women at this life stage. I think it's important to at least document, discuss the net impact there's systemic impact when we are losing progesterone and losing estradiol. About 25% of women are still making enough testosterone. So the majority of us are not. And progesterone therapy can be incredibly beneficial, not just for sleep and anxiety and stress reduction, but we have sex hormone receptors on nearly every cell of our bodies. And so it impacts bone, it impacts heart health, it impacts brain and cognition. There's a reason why women are at greatest risk for developing dementia in menopause. And a lot of it has to do with the changes in insulin sensitivity, but also that loss of estradiol. And so this is a very important thing to discuss with your healthcare provider. Again, go back to those other resources I mentioned, NAMS and IFM. I also like to suggest, and I will ask my team to link up several podcasts Doctors Avram Bleming and Dr. Carol Tavares. I did an amazing podcast with them. They wrote a book called Why Estrogen Matters. There's another book that I would recommend called The XX Brain with Dr. Lisa Moscone. I have not yet interviewed her for the podcast, but I do hope to. Another great resource would be the podcast I did with Dr. Felice Gersh. I've done several with her, but my second one in particular, I think it's the number one downloaded podcast in the past two and a half years to give you some idea of how information packed that resource is. And the other thing is a lot of these practitioners that I interview on the podcast, many of them have multi-state licenses. Many of them are able to practice across state lines legally. And I would definitely encourage you to check out some of those resources based on where you live. Okay. Next question is from Sonia. I take progesterone before going to bed. I recently heard that progesterone peaks in the morning. Therefore, that is when you should take it. What do you suggest taking for when to take progesterone? Okay, Sonia, we know that progesterone has a sedating effect. And if you're on enough of it, at least 200 milligrams at night, it will upregulate GABA and actually make you sleepy. That's why I don't recommend that women take progesterone during the day. I've had reports of women falling asleep. And for most of us, we don't want to be doing that. I think it is absolutely appropriate to take it at night again, because it is sedating. And that's when I take it. If that is any assistance whatsoever. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armor colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armor's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, 
fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi-Optimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today risk free. They have a 365 day full money back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Next is Amanda. I just turned 51 and in another show you mentioned not waiting until menopause to start HRT. I want to see my doctor to start HRT now. I know progesterone is a good one and I can be on it for life without concern. What dosing method do you prefer for progesterone and estrogen, topical, oral, intervaginally? I know you said adding testosterone should be last and you don't like the pellets. Anything else I should know? Does the XX brain go into detail about this information so I can learn more, read about that before my appointment? Amanda, thanks for this question. What I would say is, progesterone is easy to take. I generally recommend that progesterone, we want to keep those receptors sharp. So I don't take progesterone one night a week and I just augment my sleep stack. 
which I'm sure there'll be plenty of questions about that when I get to the sleep webinar that will be featured in July. When it comes to estradiol or estrogen, there are many different ways to use HRT. Some people like compounded creams, some people like patches, there are trochies. Yes, you can use it intravaginally. I find for some women, they like to start off with intravaginal estrogen because they're having so many genitourinary symptoms. And this is a pretty easy way to at least ameliorate those symptoms. And for anyone that doesn't know, as we are losing estrogen in our vaginas, it actually changes the pH. And because of the loss of estrogen, the lactobacilli that are there, they start to die off and it can just make it much more hospitable for not only urinary tract infections, but dryness and just painful sex and things that are not fun. So intravaginal estrogen can be very helpful. There are some women who, when they start patches or compounded estrogen, they don't need intravaginal estrogen. Others do. I do find that some of my thinner, tinier patients really do benefit from taking both, but it's highly bio-individual. Dr. Anna Kabeca has a wonderful product that is external DHEA, which can be converted over into some of those other metabolites. And that is a nice product. We will link that up in the show notes as well. Your other question was about testosterone. I just, the unfortunate thing about testosterone, there's no FDA approved testosterone at this time. I don't foresee that that's going to change anytime soon. I don't love pellets because they're so wildly unpredictable. And I do find that compounded testosterone is a good starting point but obviously you optimize estrogen and progesterone first before adding testosterone. That's the best way to do it. Does the XX brain go into detail? XX brain just talks about the brain and sex hormones and what changes in perimenopause and menopause. I would definitely, you know, you'll hear reoccurring themes about great books that I think are really helpful. You know, I've been able to interview some of the best and brightest in the health and wellness space. And so I would definitely recommend going back and listening to specific podcasts, you know, Dr. Anna Kabeca, Dr. Lara Bryden, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, they've all written great books and great resources in these areas that would be a great way to kind of fill in your knowledge base. Next question is from LaDawn. I'm 53 and have been in menopause for two years. I've had a partial hysterectomy, so she still has her ovaries. I've chosen to take bioidentical hormones to support my health and longevity, but I've had to make adjustments. Is this because I still have ovaries? How would you approach hormone therapy with someone like me? So I don't know what types of HRT you've been on. I don't know if it's oral progesterone, if it's just been transdermal progesterone, what types of estrogen therapy you've you've tried. What I would say to you is if you feel like you're not getting anywhere It could be dosage mediated. It could be absorption. This is where labs and symptoms are really important. Getting a really good history. In fact, I used to tell my NP and PA students that worked with me, 90% of what you need, you get from a clinical history. So what is sleep like? Are you having vasomotor symptoms? Are you having hot flashes? How's your energy? How's your mood? Do you have a libido? All of these things are super important. And then looking at the other metrics, like Have you had a DEXA? What's the body composition like? There's a lot of different things that have to be played into, but I think most clinicians want to start low and slow. And I think that's completely reasonable. I also think it's important when we're talking about hormone replacement therapy, that we are also considering the fact that we want to provide some detoxification support. So making sure that you are taking care of, you know, proper nutrition, 
you're dialing in on sleep, you're addressing stress, you know, you're working on gut health, you're removing inflammatory foods, you're lifting weights, not overdoing cardio. I mean, there's so many different variables. So when you say that it's not effective, I'm not sure. I just don't have enough information, but those are things to think about. Okay. Next question is from Marilee. And she said, I would like to know what supplements best mimic HRT. I'm unable to take it due to factor five Leiden, which is a bleeding disorder, something that she was born with besides eating well, lifting weights, sleep. What supplements would you suggest for those of us who can't take HRT? I would say without question, adrenal support, you know, this is where Um, We know in perimenopause and menopause that we are less stress resilient. So really understanding how important it is to make sure you are nourishing your adrenals. This is where I think adaptogenic herbs can be very helpful. Magnesium, vitamin C, you know, being proactive about managing stress. And this is not five minutes of meditation once a week. I find a lot of women head into menopause and they are still like, high charging women. They are living and behaving like they did in their twenties and thirties, which means not enough rest, not enough downtime, not enough decompression. They're sympathetic dominant. I don't know per se of any supplements that are going to replace hormones, but what I do find in most of my women that either are you know, cancer survivors, or, you know, they've got, you know, coagulation or bleeding disorders, then we're really working on the fundamentals. So the lifestyle, adrenal support, making sure their thyroids are properly supported. I think all of that is very beneficial. I would say making sure your sleep metrics are really dialed in. Like, are you really getting 90 minutes of deep and REM sleep? Do you have high quality sleep? Are you getting sufficient amounts of sleep? Are you lifting weights? Are you eating anti-inflammatory nutrition? And for anyone that's listening, we cannot eat like we did when we were 20 years old, especially in perimenopause and menopause. The more insulin sensitive you are, the more discretionary carbohydrate you can consume. But I don't recommend the processed carb variety, certainly not consumed with any regularity. I really love non-starchy vegetables. I'm a huge fan of low glycemic fruit. I have a little bit of fruit every single day. I mean, I love berries and they tend to be on the lower glycemic index, which means they are not going to have as much net effect on your blood sugar. I'm also pretty insulin sensitive, so I can get away with occasionally having tropical fruit, but that's not my norm. So Getting back to your original question, this is a great question for your GYN or your integrative medicine doctor to ask them what their recommendations are. Obviously, you are limited because of the factor five Leiden, but adrenal support is something that I would definitely discuss or at least look into. Next question is from Jenny. Once a woman starts HRT to offset the perimenopausal symptoms, anxiety, insomnia, hot flashes, how many years is it expected that she stay on it? Will things settle down after menopause so that HRT is no longer needed? No one talks about how long it is needed. Jenny, the real question is, you know, there used to be a a finite thought process that you take it for five, 10 years, and then you stop. Well, the more that I have looked at the research and talked to experts, certainly on the podcast, is that women should be able to stay on this, you know, long-term, you know, as we are losing our sex hormones, heading into perimenopause and menopause, you know, there are benefits to staying on it. For many people, HRT is life-changing. It improves their sleep quality, their libido, their bone strength, um, their heart health, their, you know, brain and cognitive health. And something to think about, and, and Lisa Moscone talks about this, that our brains in our 60s and 70s are made in our 40s and 50s. So, you know, I think it's important to understand that, you know, there are there are benefits to having uh, healthy 
menopausal dosing parameters, even perimenopausal dosing parameters to help protect those very important parts of our cognitive health, our bone health, our heart health, which are systemic. So to answer your question, Jenny, it's my understanding that it is that is fine as long as you're monitored to be on long-term HRT therapy. And more and more I'm hearing clinicians, even Peter Atia recently said that he likes to start women on HRT before menopause just because it helps buffer a lot of symptoms they experienced. You know, I think it's highly dependent on the individual. I had more symptoms in early perimenopause than I did the rest of perimenopause into menopause. And I think a lot of that had to do with lifestyle. You know, we know that if you look at the research on blood sugar dysregulation, that is the primary driver of hot flashes. And so, you know, all these vasomotor symptoms that many women experience that are incredibly debilitating are likely a byproduct of lifestyle. So we really want to make sure as we are navigating those 10 to 15 years of perimenopause that we're really taking good care of ourselves. So sleep, stress, anti-inflammatory nutrition, right types of exercise, not eating too frequently, et cetera. Okay. So this is a question from Melanie. I want to lean out and really have my muscles show. What do you suggest to do? HRT, a round of Anavar or testosterone. I am not overweight, just want to lean out. Well, I don't know Melanie's age, so that is challenging because it's hard to answer this from the perspective of, are you in menopause? Are you in perimenopause? Are you still peak fertile years? Although I would imagine most of my listeners are probably north of 35 or 40. I would say first and foremost, most of what you see in terms of muscular development is a byproduct of nutrition and also strength training and high quality sleep. So those are the fundamentals. You have to lift heavy enough to stimulate the muscles. You've got to eat enough protein to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. You have to you know, have repair and recovery. So that's where sleep comes in. And I think then after you've dialed all that in, this is where body composition changes can be related to a variety of things. It could be that your insulin's high. It could be that your blood sugar is not properly regulated. And those two things alone, high cortisol can put you into fat storage mode. I don't recommend, I don't like seeing women just solely given testosterone because more often than not, there's some other underlying issue that needs to be addressed. And so I see a lot of providers that are giving testosterone out like candy, And so I think we have to be careful when we're doing that. You know, the number one reason, at least in men, for why they have low testosterone is related to insulin resistance and exposure to estrogen mimicking chemicals. The same can apply to women. You know, we have a lot less testosterone, but it's very potent in our bodies. And I just see a lot of women who are given too much testosterone. In fact, I had a conversation with a GYN recently specifically about this and how they were concerned that women were getting way too high physiologic dosing on uh, testosterone therapy, and they almost get like an addiction to how they feel. And so I think that we just have to be careful. I think testosterone therapy absolutely has a place. I think it is very bio-individual and I don't like to see testosterone solely dosed without looking at other reasons for whether or not it is actually low or whether or not someone would benefit from progesterone and estrogen first. Okay. This is a question from Nicole. What are your thoughts on bioidentical HRT progesterone for women in perimenopause? Is there a way to increase progesterone without a cream or a pill? This is a great question. Now, I know there are a lot of people out there that that will say you can eat X food and it's going to increase your progesterone. I mean, there are nutrition aspects to the luteal phase that can be helpful, whether it's squash or lentils, but it's not going to replace your endogenous secretion of progesterone. Like, let me be very clear. There's no food that's going to replace 
the progesterone that you are losing as your ovaries are going into decline. There are ways, you know, with technology and Dr. Amy Killen talks about these things. So I want to give her a little nod and and we can include that podcast episode. There are some people that are going to great lengths to uh, preserve their ovarian function. And that's not what I'm talking about here. I think that HRT, actually progesterone can be a great first step in perimenopause. For a lot of women, they get put on antidepressants, anti-anxiety agents, sleeping aids, when all they need is some good old progesterone in the last five to seven days of their cycle, the last two weeks, see a lot of different clinical variation on this, but understanding what's going on physiologically as our bodies are navigating perimenopause makes sense about progesterone. I think progesterone is fine to cycle while you're still cycling. Obviously when you are in menopause, it is completely appropriate to take that most days of the week. I know Dr. Anna Kabeca and I had a recent conversation and she agrees, you know, three to four days a month without progesterone, oral progesterone. If you have a uterus is what you need. If you, you know, and that's what, you know, protects the uterus when we're trying to have this balance between estrogen and progesterone. So oral progesterone is going to be most efficacious. And so, yes, I think that is a great first step. Again, oral progesterone is inexpensive. It is generic. I think when I was taking it before, it was anywhere from six to $9 for several months worth. Mine is now compounded because I just had some variations. When you get generics, you can get about 20% variance and it was just impacting my sleep enough that it was worth it. So now compounded variations are more expensive, but definitely some good things to kind of start off with. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. Today's podcast is sponsored by Nutrisense. 
It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise. So you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Next is Tina. I was told by my OBGYN NP that even though I'm on HRT, and she's actually not on HRT, which she mentions here, nor ethanodrone, acetate, and ethanol estradiol tablets, which are actually oral contraceptives, I will still experience menopausal symptoms like my body heating up four to five times in the middle of the night. Is this true? Well, Tina is not on HRT. This is actually the pill. There are a lot of women that are kept on oral contraceptives. This is not HRT. This is keeping your body in a very low hormone state because it knocks out the negative feedback loop between your brain and your ovaries. So I would go back to your NP and I would ask for HRT. I mean, that is very different. If you are indeed in menopause, you deserve to have hormone replacement therapy. That is not what oral contraceptives are. And you absolutely deserve to not have to wake up four to five times a night because you're getting hot flashes. That's cruel. Next question is from Janet. As a 57-year-old female still having a menstrual cycle, do I need to take hormones? I am 5'6 and 145 pounds. I sleep great. Never had a hot flash. I work out regularly with weights and do cardio as well as playing my new love pickleball. Pickleball is like the new thing, y'all. I mean, people are really, really excited about pickleball. My husband and I keep mentioning that we're going to have to learn how to play. My labs have been good, slightly low in testosterone and using cream for a few years and levels have come up. I'm assuming, Janet, you're referring to testosterone cream. Fasting glucose was below 80. Fasting insulin was good too. Since I'm not having any symptoms of menopause, do I need hormones? Okay. So this is a good example. Like Janet's not my patient. I don't know enough about her history. This is a good example that not everyone in perimenopause, late perimenopause, because at 57, 
that's late. That's really late. Cause the average woman is going into menopause at 51. So to give you some sense, this is like an outlier person, which is fine. Cause there are people that will go through at an earlier stage anyway. So Janet is asking, does she need hormones? I think this is a question for your GYN, especially if they are already giving you testosterone, you know, from my perspective, we have to think about brain, bone, heart health. Like I said earlier, if you looked at my labs, during the time that I was off HRT on the outside, I am healthy. I'm fit. I look good. I sleep well. The amount of inflammation going on in my body was really, really high. Maybe at some point I'll bring my functional medicine doctor on and we can unpack some of what we've done. But I don't think because you're not having symptoms that that means that there's not a lot of inflammation going on internally. So what I would say is have the conversation with your GYN or your internist or whomever you see, ask them what their opinion is. Every woman listening, if you are appropriate for HRT, you should be able to be properly counseled. You should be given full disclosure about the ramifications of taking HRT as well as not taking HRT. You know, I finished my nurse practitioner program in 2001 and in 2002 is when the WHI, the Women's Health Initiative study came out and everything changed. An entire generation of clinicians are fearful to prescribe hormones and an entire generation of women are fearful to take hormones. I am from a very large family and my aunts have said to me over and over again, I'm hoping your generation is going to change the narrative for women because we're now seeing and we're now witnessing the side effects, osteoporosis, cognitive decline, et cetera. And so Janet, the right way to answer this is have that conversation with your primary care provider or GYN so they can help you decide for yourself what the best route moving forward is. It's impossible for me to say that based on what you've shared. And as I always say, this is not medical advice. We're just speaking kind of big generalities. Last question. This is from Katya. I'm wondering if I need to stop my bioidenticals for a few days a month, or can I go without ever stopping my progesterone and my estrogel? Well, Katya, what I would say is have a conversation with your GYN. Generally speaking, I will hold my progesterone. This is me personally. This is what I do. And this is what I have the support of my team with. I take my progesterone six days a week. So the intent is to have three to four days out of the month where I don't take progesterone. And you'll be amazed. Like my sleep is not bad, but it's just helping to kind of reset that receptor. Now, if you're taking estrogel or you're taking an estrogen patch, or you're taking an estrogen cream, I would discuss with your prescribing provider to see what their recommendations are. I know that there's a lot that's evolving and shifting in this space. And so I think that these are all really great questions. And as I said, I got so many great questions. I think that it will end up taking me many, many months to get through them all. And as you can tell, my voice is a little bit hoarse. I recorded with one of my favorite podcast hosts, Drew Pervit, earlier today, we recorded for about two hours. So I'm feeling a little froggy. Got one more question that I think we can tackle, although this is a question coming from someone who lives in the UK. And so I can't per se fully answer the question because they do things a little differently there. So this is from Diana. In the UK, bioidentical HRT lozenges tend to contain a one-to-one ratio of estradiol and estriol with progesterone added in it. This composition differs from the bioidentical HRT supplied by state doctors where the HRT patches, gels, and sprays contain only estradiol. 
for a postmenopausal woman who can't transdermally absorb the hormones contained in the patches, gels, or sprays, and therefore uses the bioidentical HRT lozenges, would it be detrimental for such a woman to continue to use bioidentical HRT lozenges, which contain the combo of estradiol and estriol? Would she need more estradiol than estriol? It is impossible for me to answer that question. Again, bioindividuality really rules here. Number two, I don't know what your labs look like. I think this is a really great question for your prescribing provider. I know trochies and like lozenges are, they're kind of in their own special entity. You know, certainly there are some providers who like to have a combination of estradiol and estriol to protect the breasts. Obviously, each individual has to make a decision based on what makes the most sense. And so this is really a good question. I don't mean to be evasive, but I don't know your labs. I don't know your symptoms. Obviously, there are lots of women that have compounded preparations that still don't absorb hormones well. Sometimes the preparations, like the base in which the compounded products are in have to be switched over. So there's a lot of different variables and definitely, definitely worth discussing with your healthcare practitioner to see what their recommendations are. And again, things are done a little different in the UK than they are here. And so I don't want to be giving any misinformation. Well, y'all, this has been fun. Like I said, we've got quite a few, lots, hundreds of questions to go through, but today is very HRT focused, talking about perimenopause, menopause, HRT, taking breaks, book recommendations, Like I mentioned, there are a lot of different providers and podcasts I mentioned in here in books. Definitely a lot of great resources. Obviously, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, I would definitely recommend that because we've got some pretty dynamic upcoming podcast guests. And we have a really stellar group of clinicians and experts coming out over the next several months. Thanks so much, ladies. Keep those questions coming. If you love this podcast episode, please leave a rating and review, subscribe and tell a friend. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.